You've seen our research on social media. Now, join us as we dive deeper into the public health topics of our time, featuring new studies and findings generated by our faculty and researchers committed to advancing health equity. From the Department of Population and Public Health Sciences at Keck School of Medicine of USC, this is Preventive Pros, the podcast. I'm Adam DeSmith. I'm an assistant professor in the Center for Genetic Epidemiology um, in the Department of Population and Public Health at the Keck School of Medicine of USC. So I'm a, a genetic epidemiologist, and um, my research is focused on trying to understand the causes of acute lymphoblastic leukemia in children, which is the most common childhood cancer. And my research is, is mostly focused on identifying genetic risk factors, um, but also incorporating genetics with environmental exposures and um, to overall try and identify children who have the highest risk of developing ALL. Acute lymphoblastic leukemia, or ALL, is a malignancy of white blood cells, and it's, as I said, the most common childhood cancer. So there's around 3,000 cases of, of childhood ALL are, are diagnosed in the US every year. Um, and thankfully, nowadays, cure rates um, for ALL are high, upwards of 90% in the US. And this has really been due to you know, remarkable developments in, in combination chemotherapy treatment over the last few decades. And so, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, children would, with ALL would have a pretty dismal prognosis. But now it's, um, yeah, cure rates are upwards of 90% in the US. However, children that survive ALL face long-term morbidities due to the harsh effects of the chemotherapy treatment. So these include increased risk of cardiovascular disease, increased risk of developing second cancers, um, pulmon pulmonary dysfunction, infertility. There's a long list of, of morbidities and um, diseases that, uh, you know, affect those childhood ALL survivors over the course of their lifetime. Um, in addition to that, the survival rates for ALL are not as good in lower income countries. So really, there's a need to develop less toxic therapies. But ultimately, we want to, to one day be able to prevent childhood ALL. So in terms of life history of ALL, how it first develops, it's been known for over two decades that some molecular subtypes of childhood ALL actually develop in utero, so during fetal development. Um, so for example, the, the gene fusion ETV6 ronks one which is one of the more common molecular subtypes, has been shown to arise prenatally. Um, and this has been shown by, for example, backtracking studies where they've identified the the driving mutation in the leukemia at diagnosis and then gone back to blood samples at birth, such as newborn dry blood spots, and found those same um, driving lesions in those samples. Uh, and so in that way, you know, it was discovered that for, for several ALL subtypes, these can occur prenatally. Uh, it's, it's also been shown from studies of identical twins that were concordant for ALL that had the same exact mutations event that must have developed in one of the twins and then passed to the other twin. We also know that not all newborns who have a preleukemic clone will go on to develop childhood ALL. So it's actually been shown, for example, for ETV6 RUNX1, that this, this can be present in newborns who never go on to develop leukemia. And in fact, it's been shown... Um, ETV6 runs one 
fusion has been found in up to 5% of healthy newborns, which is much higher than the incidence of childhood ALL itself. And so this means that there might actually be a window of opportunity for, for prevention if we can, first of all, identify those newborns that develop a pre-leukemic clone during fetal development. And secondly, which of those newborns may be at risk of going on to develop ALL. So one of the most established risk factors for childhood ALL outside of genetics is what we think is, is dysregulation um, or perhaps abnormal development of the immune system. And so Professor Sir Mel Greaves proposed back in 1988 this delayed infection hypothesis, which um, kind of predicted that children who are not exposed to common infections or who, who do not get enough exposure to, to common infections or other triggers of the immune system, their immune system does not develop properly. Um, and then later on in childhood, when they are exposed to an infection, their immune system may overreact. And that was proposed that if, if a child was harboring a pre-leukemic clone, that overreaction of the immune system may then cause them to develop overt ALL. And this has been supported by many epidemiological studies that have looked at, for example, proxies of infectious exposure, like whether a, a child went to daycare. So children who went to daycare have been found to be protected against uh, developing ALL. Uh, children with old, older siblings, um, vaccines have been shown to be protective in some studies, whereas uh, other studies have shown that children with abnormal immune development, um, so for example, Dr. Wiemels, my colleague at, at USC, uh, showed that children with lower levels of, of the cytokine IL-10 have an increased risk of ALL. Also, children born with cytomegalovirus infection uh, have been found to be at risk of going on to develop ALL. So we think that one critical part of this is, is, is the healthy development of a child's immune system. Um, cesarean section has been found to be a risk factor, which we think has is perhaps to do with um, early life development of the immune system. Breastfeeding has been shown to be protective. So all of these things are, again, pointing towards this early life immune development as being critical. So Professor Greaves and his lab and probably others are actually working on trying to develop some sort of Im immune modulation or immune stimulation that would help a child's immune system to develop normally. This could be some sort of microbiome modulating treatment. It's still in development. Um, even if these groups did discover some immunomodulatory factor that could help a child's immune system to develop normally. We don't think that this would necessarily be, uh, that it would be appropriate to, or even ethical to, to try and give this to all children. Mm -hmm. So we think um, what would need to be done is to, to be able to, to identify the children with the highest risk of developing ALL so that such a treatment could be targeted. Another possible preventive measure could be if we find a pre-leukemic clone at birth, maybe, you know, some low-level chemotherapy or some other drug could be given to try and wipe out that pre-leukemic clone. So our group is not necessarily working on what is the preventive measure. It's more trying to identify those children who are at most risk of going on to develop ALL that could be targeted with, with prevention once 
such a, a, a preventive strategy has been discovered. So my my area of research, I have um, kind of two main programs of research. One is focused on, on the genetic epidemiology of ALL, and the other is in understanding the early life origins of ALL. So in terms of the genetic epidemiology, I'm interested in understanding the genetic risk of ALL in particularly susceptible populations. First of all, um, children of Hispanic Latino ethnicity who have the highest risk of developing ALL compared with other racial ethnic groups in the United States, and also in some countries in, in uh, Latin America, such as Mexico, where uh, it's been shown that they have the highest, one of the highest incidences of childhood ALL. So one goal of my research is, is to try and understand what is the genetic contribution to this increased ALL risk in Hispanic Latino children. And so I have one R01 study that's focused on you know, comprehensive genetic analyses, including genome-wide association studies, admixture mapping, developing polygenic risk scores, with, as I said, the goal of, of trying to understand the genetic component to the ALL risk in Hispanics and Latinos. Uh, another particularly susceptible population is children with Down syndrome, who have up, an up to 30-fold increased risk of developing ALL. And we know that much of this risk is due to, to the extra chromosome 21, the trisomy 21. So I'm interested in what what is it about trisomy 21 that is increasing ALL risk? But also, are there other factors that, um, because not all children with Down syndrome will develop ALL, it's still around uh, maybe 1%. So are there factors that in combination with trisomy 21 um, will increase a child child's risk of ALL? So we've discovered several genetic risk factors that were known in, in children without Down syndrome. We found that these also confer risk of ALL in children with Down syndrome. And so I'm collaborating with, with groups outside of USC to try and discover novel risk factors um, for ALL in children children with Down syndrome. In terms of the early life origins of ALL, uh, we've we've been working for the last couple of years on on the Record study. This is in collaboration with Dr. Logan Spector at the University of of Minnesota. So we're co-PIs on on this study, and it's really a unique study design um, where we're capitalizing on on the collection of samples and information through the Children's Oncology Group Project Every Child, where uh, Dr. Spector had asked uh, families who are enrolling, did they store cord blood at birth? And so we, we've been trying to identify children who went on to develop leukemia, whose parents had banked their cord blood. This is, as I said, through the Children's Oncology Group. So we're collecting tumors, tumor samples, and cord blood samples at USC, we're sequencing the tumors to identify the driving mutations. And then we'll be designing patient-specific digital PCR assays, uh, which will allow us to uh, then look in the core blood samples for those, those mutations to see if they occur, uh, if they're present at birth. So PCR is polymerase chain reaction. Uh, and this was developed many years ago. Uh, as a way of amplifying specific regions of our genome. And so the digital component of this is using 
more modern methods, we can actually, in one sample, run multiple PCR reactions at the same time. Actually, uh, you know, over ten thousand PCR reactions in one one tube, and uh, this is known as droplet digital PCR or DDPCR. So this allows us or provides us with much better uh, quantification of the DNA that we're targeting in each sample. Say for our patients, we're designing specific PCR assays for each patient where we're looking for that mutation that we found in the tumor and the leukemia. We're then looking for that in their core blood sample. And the digital PCR will allow us uh, a, a better resolution in terms of if there's very low copies of, of this mutation and also how many copies are there in a patient sample. So by doing this, we'll be uh, trying to discover across several of the leukemia subtypes, which of those arise prenatally, because up until now, it's partly due to a lack of available newborn blood specimens. This has hindered studies. Um, so we only know for, for a handful of leukemia subtypes, which of those arise prenatally. So through our record study, we're hoping that we can look across all molecular or most of the major molecular subtypes for, for childhood ALL and, and childhood AML, acute myeloid leukemia, to see which of those arise prenatally. And then the digital PCR will allow us to try and quantify those pre-leukemic clones. And this is in collaboration with, with a group at the University of Oxford, led by Dr. Andy Roy, where they'll be running uh, single cell analyses so another another goal of the record study is actually to to try and identify the cell of origin of childhood leukemia, um, and we think this probably varies across the the leukemia subtypes. So we'll be looking, trying to identify which leukemia subtypes arise prenatally. What is the cell of origin of these leukemia subtypes? And then we'll also have some questionnaire data, which will allow us to to run some epidemiology analyses to see what are the risk factors for development of a pre-leukemic clone and for the, the kind of prevalence of, of that clone in their newborn blood sample. So this this uh, this is a really exciting study, I think, um, and will hopefully lay the groundwork towards our goals of, of trying to prevent childhood leukemia. I would say we're, we're a little ways off yet, but the hope is that um, by identifying the children who have pre-leukemic clones at birth um, by, by developing screening methods for newborns to look for pre-leukemia, that this could one day be rolled out across the country. So currently, all children who are born in the United States have a newborn blood spot taken at birth, and they uh, those blood spots are used to test for certain uh, genetic and other disorders that can be treated. Uh, shortly after birth. The hope is that if we can develop um, you know, accurate screening methods using these newborn blood spots, that those could be added to those, those screening tests. So all babies born in the United States could be tested for the presence of pre-leukemia, and that would be the first step. And then the second step would be uh, that our work on, on identifying genetic risk factors could hopefully come up with a genetic risk score and that we could incorporate that with other risk factors. And then if a baby is found with a pre-leukemic clone, we could then use the 
other information, such as their genetic risk of, of developing ALL, and that combined, those could be used for, for a targeted prevention of childhood leukemia. So our current studies are, are really trying to understand what are the leukemia subtypes that arise prenatally. The next step is then to, to try to develop um, agnostic approaches or being able to screen without knowing um, specifically which type of leukemia that child might have. So if we want to develop screening methods for, for pre-leukemia, we need to develop approaches that are agnostic to what are the actual mutations. So yeah, the next step of the research is based on the information that we, we gain from the record study to then develop assays where we can screen for pre-leukemia without knowing what those what the leukemia subtypes are or even the mutations that they may have. So 30, 40 years ago, the outlook for childhood ALL patients was pretty dismal. And in that time, there have been incredible developments in terms of treatment, but children can be severely impacted by the chemotherapy treatment, as I've mentioned. So we hope that over the next few years, our research will help to contribute to similar groundbreaking developments, but in terms of disease prevention. Preventive Pros, the podcast, is produced by the Department of Population and Public Health Sciences at Keck School of Medicine of USC. To learn more about any of our episodes or to subscribe to our monthly Preventive Dose newsletter featuring the latest in public health research and news, visit pphs.usc.edu forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.